Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> yes, I'm here. He was rushed to a nearby hospital yeah. where he was pronounced dead. Yeah. He was then transferred to a better hospital where doctors upgraded his condition to alive. I'm alive. I have uh, <clears throat> I have kind of recovered. I'm playing about 85% right now, probably. Yeah, like a, like I could probably sit out a couple plays uh, here and there, but uh, no, the worst of it is past. So uh, thank you, everybody, for your well wishes, and I appreciate Chad Adams um, filling in for the last uh, couple of days for me. Uh, sincerely, it was on really short notice, um, but it just, yeah, the, it just kind of came on real, real quick, like real sudden. So... Uh, no, I, I don't know what it is. It wasn't COVID. I, I did the COVID test. I got one of those, uh, you know, swabby things up the nostrils, did all of that, tested it, uh, came back negative. I'll do another one just to be sure today, but, uh, it definitely feels like I'm on the, on the downside of it. The downside? Well, yeah, the recover. I'm in recovery phase. So, uh, no, what I thought it was. So, okay. So. Over the weekend, uh, well, on Friday after the show, I jump in the car and I drive to Raleigh, where we're doing the uh, Carolina Liberty Conference hosted by the John Locke Foundation. They do this every other year, and I was invited to be on the uh, panel discussion with media people, and it was a ton of fun. I was there with um, Mitch Kokai. Uh, who is a former, you know, uh, radio and print and TV news guy, but now he's the uh, senior political analyst with the John Locke Foundation. And uh, A.P. Dillon, who works for North State Journal, but also runs her own Substack, as well as Nick Craig, uh, who uh, is a radio host uh, on uh, Wilmington Airwaves, WAAV's Morning News, Wilmington's Morning News down there. So I had a great time uh, being on the panel with everybody, but on Friday night they do this thing where they... They give you bourbon and cigars. And uh, so I did not smoke any of the cigars because I had had a pretty bad reaction a couple years ago up in Asheville when I stopped and started, uh, I puffed on a cigar at a cigar shop and it like made my throat all hoarse and uh, sore. I had problems swallowing the next day and I was like, this is no good. So I don't want to smoke a cigar again. Um, And I only smoked half of it that day. And then I smoked the other half of it a couple days later, and the same thing happened. I was like, okay, no more cigars. But I was just hanging out with all the people smoking the cigars, and so I thought when I woke up the next morning and I was all coughing and hacking, I thought, oh, well, that's what this is from. No. No. By the time I got home, I was not feeling well, and uh, so that was Saturday. So then, because uh, Saturday did the media panel, uh, you know, I... I you know, I played injured throughout the panel, as you would expect me to do. And uh, and then Saturday, I drive home. And then Sunday, I'm down. And Monday, I'm down. Uh, Monday, I had the fever. It broke yesterday. And so uh, I feel a lot better now. feel way, way better now. But um, still got some of the junk <clears throat> in the lungs um, and a little bit of the stuffy head. 
But I will be there tonight after the show. I will be be driving out to the uh, Wingate University for the candidates debate where uh, I expect to ask one or two questions there. Um, I'm not saying they're going to be awesome questions, but uh, I'm, you know, I don't, I've, I've been kind of I've had three days to work on them in a NyQuil induced haze. So I like I like my chances. Now, what was the media panel about? I'm glad you asked. Um, it was about um, the way the uh, digital space has disrupted sort of uh, the media landscape just in general. Um, and then we kind of drilled down in different areas. But there was um, uh, Donna King from the uh, John Locke Foundation. She sent over uh, a fairly old, well, not old, but I mean, it's from October 2023, a piece at National Review by John Miller, who talked about how when he first got into media as a conservative, uh, he went to work for um, the New Republic, I think it was, uh, a liberal publication, because there weren't, they're just, back in those days, there just weren't, a lot of conservative outlets. Um, and at the time, he said that uh, you know the, a lot of conservatives were longing for <clears throat> what is essentially what we have now. I mean, yes, it's kind of a Wild West atmosphere of media and news, but uh, this is what it's supposed to look like. And um, that means, yes, there are people who are engaging in misinformation and disinformation, but there always have been people that have been engaging in that. The difference now is that, yes, you can find a lot more of them more easily, uh, but also you get counter arguments when in the past you might not, right? He said in this piece that the digital revolution would alter the partisan politics of journalism as the media descended into the tribalism of nightly shout shows, social media cesspools, and lost authority. From the founding of the nation and well into the 19th century, newspapers were openly partisan. He's exactly right. Openly partisan. And he gave one of the examples that I give all the time, the Arkansas Democrat. That's the name of the paper. Well, I think it's called the Democrat Gazette or something. It's the name of the paper. Why'd they call it that? Because that was the house organ for the Democrat Party. The News and Observer. Um... Well, what was his name? Josephus Daniels, Josephus Daniels, whatever the guy that uh, you know helped to whip up the racial animosity and uh, which led to the 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 coup in Wilmington, North Carolina, the overthrow of the duly elected Republican fusion party government there, the murder of Republicans and Black voters and and uh, business owners, ran them out of town, and all this. Right, that was the News and Observer. That was the that was the house organ for the Democrat Party in North Carolina. Right. So the, the, these publications have always been partisan. And, and what happened as they um, as the, the newspaper industry begins consolidating and you get fewer newspapers, they realize that they can't simply speak to one party, because if they're only talking to the Democrats, then they're never going to get Republicans to read the paper. Right. So or vice versa. And so they so then they start saying, well, we're going to just tell the news. We're going to just tell, you know, the objective truth and the facts, only the facts and all of this. And I've never believed that, by the way. I've never believed that. 
because people are biased. People are subjective. People, I, you, when I was a reporter, I would attempt to be fair. That was my standard. I would try to be fair to the people that I'm interviewing. I'm not going to try to make you look like an idiot. Now, if you make yourself look like an idiot, I mean, that's not on me, right? But I'm not going to do anything that would make you question whether or not I, you know, edited you out of context or reported something that was uh, grossly unfair, that it was inaccurate, right? So you can try your best along those lines, but everybody is subjective in some form. And it really even begins before you talk about uh, the content of the story. It starts with whether or not you even cover the story. That's the first step in any newsroom. What is news? Are we going to devote the resources to go cover this one story, or are we not? David Larson, who is a reporter at the Carolina Journal, who I got to meet uh, after the event on Saturday. Um, He says, near the beginning, uh, uh, the panel discussed the function of gatekeeping that traditional news media used to take on. Whether a story was important or insignificant, fact or conspiracy was determined by editors. News consumers just saw the finished product, those stories that were chosen as worthy for their eyes and ears. Right. So, and there, look, there are pros and cons to this. On the, you know, the, obviously the con is, well, the con, the, the con is that you're being told what is newsworthy and what is not, and you're being told this is the truth, capital T truth, and, and nothing else. And then stories that they don't want you to know about, they just don't cover. They'll smother it, right? Which is, I guess, a kind of covering a story, like covering it with a pillow to smother it to death, right? That is one kind of coverage, I guess. But, um, the other part of this, though, is that the gatekeeping function that the media served gets obliterated, and now we, as a society, we don't have a universal understanding of what is news for everybody. Right? It, it, it takes a lot, which is one of the things about the Super Bowl, by the way. It's one of the last things that kind of unites the entire country where we all watch something together. Am I allowed to say the Super Bowl there? I wasn't using it as a promotion. Okay, the big game. Yeah, that's one of the things about the big game. It's one of these uniting things. Until, of course, you know, Taylor Swift comes along. And now I guess it's... Now it's not anymore. (laughs) All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Rumors of my demise greatly exaggerated 704-570-1110 1-800-WBT-1110 the email is pete at the pete calendar show.com and on twitter at pete calendar where uh yeah apparently i kicked a couple hornet's nests and then went down for the count with uh with the illness for the last 48 72 hours or so uh so i apologize for leaving so many uh pete nicks on the twitter to fend for themselves. It was not my intention. <laughs> I did not know some of those tweets were going to go uh, quasi-viral as they did. I don't know why. I don't know why some of this stuff happens like it does. I Really, I don't. But, uh, yeah, I attracted some, like, some, like, high-ranking officials in the Moonbat Brigade uh, over the last few days. It's just amazing. So, also amazing. Apparently, um... I guess the uh, a lot of grifters in the uh, conservative media uh, looking to looking to fight Taylor Swift. Is that the idea? Yeah. Okay. Because 
Like she's, hey, you know what? She's got a large following, like really like hundreds of millions of people who are not at all kind of crazy either. So, yeah, I mean, that'll work out well, I think, if you're trying to, you know, win hearts and minds and that sort of thing. No, they're very worried that Taylor Swift is going to um, make an endorsement of Joe Biden, which, uh, I mean, of course she will, because like she did in 2020. Like, why wouldn't she do it again? But I guess now it's even worse or something because she's dating that football player, Kelsey. Uh, it's his last name, Kelsey. I think his first name is uh, Jason. Is that it? Travis. Who? But he has a brother, right, Jason? Is it the brother, Jason? Okay. I get them confused. They look alike. I, they do, I'm so, especially when they're all suited up and they got the same last name on the back. They're, they are identical. Okay, well, except for the jerseys. Like, one is green and one is red. So, Travis Kelsey, he's the Kansas City Chiefs tight end. He's been dating Taylor Swift. And everybody who watches football knows this because they always cut away to this, the video of Taylor Swift hanging out in one of the suites and celebrating every good play that Kelsey makes or the Chiefs make. And a lot of people are very bothered by this. I am not bothered by this. I don't care. It would be the same to me as if they did the cutaway shots of Giselle Bunchen in the suite when Tom Brady would make all the plays. Oh, that's right. They used to do that, too. Right. Because she's a famous person. Right. She's an attractive, famous woman. She's in the suite. She's cheering on the football playing. And they're always looking for ways to cut away to family and friends and attractive females in the suites that are cheering their hubbies or boyfriends. This is not new. But apparently I'm supposed to care like way more about Taylor Swift now because it's Taylor Swift. I, I just I don't. I don't care. And no, I don't think the NFL is rigged. I know that's one of the other things that people are now making this argument that the NFL is rigged. Then don't watch it anymore. I, I, like, I don't know what to tell you. If, if you're going to see the conspiracy in every single thing, then see it and move on. You're not going to convince me that the NFL is rigged. I mean, any more than like, you know, every other pro sport. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So here's the, uh, here's the lead sentence. In a shocking discovery, sure to shake America to its core... Conservatives announced that they have uncovered a secret plot by the Democratic Party to turn Taylor Swift into an international pop star and the Kansas City Chiefs into a football dynasty so Swift could then date a Kansas City player and leverage the collective media coverage to get Joseph R. Bidenette Jr., or sorry, Robinette Biden Jr., elected as president. See, this has been years in the making, people. The conspiracy, confirmed by the sharpest conservative minds on social media, alleges that Swift's rise to the top of the music and pop culture spheres and the ascendance of the Chiefs to join other storied championship franchises in NFL history did not happen by mere coincidence, but instead was orchestrated down to the smallest detail by high-ranking power brokers to make sure the media storm generated by Swift's romance with Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey could ensure Biden's re-election. Quote, this is obviously an op, said one popular right-wing social media personality. Quote, you mean to tell me that a singer-songwriter who has been popular for nearly two decades just happens to start dating an all-pro tight end on a team that just happened to recently start winning Super Bowls for the first time in 50 years? Really? You people are such sheep. Wake up. Democrats have been planning this for years. End quote. You may not want to read too much into that story. That's from the Babylon Bee. 
Although it does perfectly capture the story, because this is what people are now alleging on social media. We like at this point, like, can China just invade us already? Well, I know they kind of already are probably with the southern border being in the shape it's in. By the way, we're going to talk with House Speaker Tim Moore at one o'clock. Uh, the uh, North Carolina General Assembly uh, House membership, the Republicans at least, they all uh, signed on to a letter urging the governor of North Carolina to stand with the governor of Texas. Yeah, fat chance that's happening. But we'll talk to Tim Moore about that. That's at one o'clock. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out all righty news talk 11 10 3 wbt 704-570-1110 and 1-800-wbt-1110 uh, i am on the mend i appreciate all of the well wishes once again thank you to uh, Chad Adams for filling in for me on Monday and Tuesday. I do appreciate it. Um, and I said that I, I, I took the COVID test to make sure I didn't have the COVID. And uh, I got an email from Brian who says, I don't get it. Why do people still take COVID tests? If you are sick, you're sick. Flu, cold, COVID, it doesn't matter. Um, well, it does actually matter because... Um, if you have if you do test positive for covid then you can't go certain places like for me for example um doctor's office um and work i'm not able to go into the premises i'm not allowed to enter the studio if uh and the building itself the building is owned by a different company and uh we lease our space and so they say you got to have uh, the policy is you got to have a negative covid test uh once you've been out sick you got a test and then you're not allowed back in the building uh, until you get a negative test. So, yeah, that's why I did the test. Um, and by the way, uh, we are not the only uh, the we're not the only business that does that. And for people who don't have to put up with that stuff, that's fantastic for you, awesome for you. Um, but I do, so that's why I took the test. Um, also, and and yeah, to go to the doctors as well. You have to have the COVID test because if you don't take the COVID test, uh, they say, do you have all these symptoms? And you have to say yes, unless you're going to lie to your doctor, which is generally not a great idea, especially if you're you know, hoping that they're going to tell you what exactly is wrong with you. Um, and look, they're going to give you the test, too. You go in there with those types of symptoms. They're going to say mask up and, and take the COVID test and then you'll get diagnosed with the COVID. Right. So I don't understand why there's a big pushback against the test. I know that they're not completely uh, or not safe, but um, foolproof. They're not 100%. Like, I get that. Um, but if there was a test to find out if I had the flu, because like I, when I feel like I have the flu in the past, when I've had the flu, and I go to the doctors, and 
what do they do? They give me a flu test, and they're like, oh, yeah, you got the flu. I don't have this, like, how dare you take a flu test? I don't get that. It's like an allergy test, right? If you are curious if you have allergies, you go to the doctor, you get the allergy test, right? They they prick your arm and your back, and they, you know, put all sorts of allergens, see which ones react, and then they're like, okay, you're not allergic to this stuff. Do we have pushback against those tests, too? Like, how dare you take an allergy test? Like, why would you even want to know? <laughs> yeah, so again, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't get that. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hello, Mike. What's going on? Hello, Pete. How hey. are you? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Well, I'm glad that you're feeling better. You sound great over the radio. It didn't sound like you were out sick a bit. You sound good. Well, thanks. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I am remarkable in my healing capabilities. You sound like you're all set to go for tonight's debate, too, and that's why I wanted to ask if you got your questions all lined up. Uh, I've got some with a whole bunch of uh, reserves, yeah, but I, uh, the way the, the format is and with the timing of it, I'm thinking I probably uh, get one, maybe two. Well, I've got one for you if you get stuck, um, and normally I would not think this would be a very important question, but I think this year it is, which is, do you believe in the peaceful transfer of power after elections? And I'd be just real curious what they might do with that question, whether they think it's a loaded question or anything like that. But, you know, that seems to be an issue these days. Um, you know, and so I'm just wondering what they would what they would do with it. I would tell you I could tell you exactly what they would do with it. They would all say, yes, they do. And that's the problem with the way you ask the question, being loaded as it is. Loaded as it is. So yeah, yeah. Well, because Mike, like, Mike, come on. Don't, like, you're, you're, not, you're not fooling anybody here. You're not fooling me at the least, right? So um, I, I understand the point of your argument. I've made this very argument myself. But in a debate format, asking a yes-no question like that would simply allow them to say, yes, they believe in the peaceful transfer of power. They would all say that. Nobody, well, nobody would say no to that question. That that is that is true. Then, then it calls into a really good follow up, which would be, then how then do you explain? No, no. that's the, not the way to get at this, Mike. Come on, Mike. You're a lawyer. You should know this, right? The the, the way to the way to get at that answer is actually yeah. something along the lines of: Do you believe January twenty sixth, twenty twenty one, was a peaceful transfer of power? That's the question, right? Because you're not asking about forward-looking stuff. You're still litigating January 6, 2021, right? So you want to no, know, was that an example of a peaceful transfer of power? That's what you want to know. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree. When the leading candidate, when their party's nominee, and Tim Moore is on the radio now, you're going to be talking to him at 1, is already saying in his ads how he can't wait to support President Trump if mm -hmm. he's going to get elected again. Mm -hmm. right? So the question is, is that here's an individual, President Trump, former President Trump, who, as we've discussed before, purposefully and intentionally did all he could while sitting in the office. As Oval I said, office, you're still litigating J6, 2021. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, what they would think about it. You're not, without. Well, no. like I said, you're still litigating J6, and that's fine. That, the, if you're trying to get at the, hey, Mike, if you're trying to get at the question, the question is what I gave you. The question is, was January 6th an example of a peaceful transfer of power? 
That's the question, because that's what you're litigating. And you're worried that Trump is going to win re-election, and then what, after four years, then he's going to say, I'm president for life, I'm not stepping down ever again. Like, that's, that's your fear. And I would submit that fear is unrealistic. It's kind of silly, but it is completely within the, uh, within the boundaries of what, is, uh, of what is racing through Democrat fundraising emails. I get it. But if you were actually interested in the uh, in the peaceful transfer of power question, then you ask whether January 6th was an example of it. You don't look forward. You don't give them the escape hatch to say, oh, yes, I, I'm for it totally. Because no one's going to say no. So you ask them about the example that we saw and whether that was a peaceful transfer of power. I appreciate the call. Um, let me go over here to Ralph is up next. Hello, Ralph. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. Welcome back. Thank you, sir. What's up? Can you hear me okay, Pete? Yes, sir, I can. Okay. Hey, uh, the question I had was going to be, I'd like to ask Tim Moore if they could repeal that law that allows juveniles to go, you know, just be released back to their parents without prosecuting. I mean, you know, that we're hearing this over and over again over the last month or so uh, from the police and everything. And so uh, that would be a, a question. While they still have a super majority, why don't they repeal that law and put something that has some teeth in, in it? Yeah, the raise the age law. Um, yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll ask them. I, I don't know if they're going to repeal it. I think there are some fixes that have been discussed, but I don't know what exactly those would be. But I appreciate the call, Ralph. Thanks. I, I wrote it down here. I'll see if I, if I can get to it with him when I bring him on. I appreciate it. <music> News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and on Twitter at Pete Callender, or X Twitter, or the, former, the, uh, the social media site formerly known as Twitter, X, whatever. You'll always be Twitter to me. Chris says, Pete, I don't think anybody actually gives a rat's behind uh, about getting tested for COVID. It's the thought of what they will do with the results. Too many positive numbers, and we're all back on lockdown. At least that's how it displays itself to me. Uh, well, I mean, okay, but that's not what the original emailer said. Right? They were just like, why are you getting tested? Nobody tests for anything else. Again, people do test for other things. If there's a test that can identify what you've got, and that, by the way, the symptoms that I had, they were COVID symptoms. They had, like, the fever, the headache, uh, the lung juice, the coughing, right? The sneezing, the runny nose, like the lethargy, right? All of those things. I mean, this is the problem, though, is that COVID has all of the same symptoms as like every other illness. And so, yeah, everybody's always like freaking out. Do you have it? Do you not have it? Whatever. But yeah, they got a home test kit. So yeah, I'll take the home test kit and find out if I've got it. And then if I don't, I could say I don't have COVID. And then I'll have to tell anybody that I got sick. <laughs> Right. Which is, by the way, that is one of the things I was talking with Christy about this the other day. Um, It's one of the remnants of the pandemic. And I understood at the beginning of it why, uh, you know, people wanted to know, like, if you got sick, you had to tell people that you were around that you got covid. And so then they had to, you know, take steps on their part. Right. And at the beginning, 
when nobody knew like how lethal it was going to be. They didn't know how it was spread. Um, although we kind of sort of did because it was a respiratory thing. Anyway, the, um, the, the, the point was they were doing contact tracing, right? But it became very obvious very early on, like months before uh, the government uh, stopped with the contact tracing charade. Right. They were running this these operations like, well, we're going to try to track down like patient zero to stop the spread and all of this. And it was it had already broken containment. You can't do that anymore. And I was saying that from the very beginning. But one of the one of the remnants of that um, of that system, of that contact tracing system, it, it, it remains to this day, which is this idea that, oh, you got sick. So you got you got to go and tell everybody that you were in contact with. There isn't any other illness that we do that for, right? If I, because like what I got over the last four days was just the crud. That's what we always called it. It's just the crud. It's just, it's all in your upper respiratory tract. It's in your head. It's in your sinuses and stuff. You got stuffy ears, right? The crud. Do I need to tell every single person that I was around? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they gave it to me. I don't know. Like this idea that you're you're constantly searching to like blame other people for the illness that you've acquired, uh, it's just one of those one of those elements from uh, from COVID that I'm just you know so done with. Um, when we all know that when you get sick, especially like I as a childless person, I just blame kids. That's because it's always their fault. Always the children. Any kid I'm near, like that's <laughs> that's who gets me sick. Um, Joseph wants to know why I let Mike on the air. Does Mike talk about May 29, 2020? He probably doesn't even know what that is. That's when the summer of Floyd rioters attacked the White House, injured Secret Service agents. Trump got taken to the bunker, and then the mainstream media thought it was all so funny. Yeah, no, Mike doesn't like to talk about that. Mike wants to talk about the threat to democracy that Donald Trump is. Um, And I will assume that, uh, that his that his fears uh, are deeply felt and sincere. He is genuinely afraid that Donald Trump will become Hitler and murder millions of people. I I will give him the benefit of the doubt and not assume that he is simply doing it in order to, uh, to make political arguments to animate people to go vote based on that fear, right? Surely, I would never suggest that political people might engage in such be- such behavior. Um, Chris says, Pete, every time you reference the fact that Mike is a lawyer, all I can think is, God help those poor people that hired him to represent them. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I don't know what field he's in, actually, what uh, specialization Mike is in. I don't know. I, but I, he was the lawyer for the Mecklenburg County Democrat Party. So... That was, I want to say that was like, you know, 15 years, 20 years ago or so. I don't know. I don't know if he still works for them or not. That's just how I met him. It was in that capacity. Um, And he would be on WBT. He would, you know, come on different shows. And uh, I think he did election night coverage for a while. I've had him on my shows before in the past. So uh, that was how I interacted with him in the past. Um tonight's questions at the debate this is another chris who says ask them if my son will be able to defend his students and himself in the classroom any plans 
for any avenue to that end. Additional training on top of concealed carry courses the rest of us take that want to conceal. That's a state issue. Um, specific armed guards assigned to each school. What's their plan? So these are members. This is a congressional district. So, um, you know, Congress imposing those laws on different states is a different lift, particularly one congressional representative. They're not going to have any control to do something like that. Um, That's going to be a General Assembly issue. The North Carolina General Assembly can make all of the schools, uh, you know, prohibit them from being uh, gun-free zones. They could do that. The General Assembly could do that. Uh, They could pass a law to allow... uh, teachers to conceal carry if they choose they could do that uh and then implement any kind of additional training requirements on top of that if they if they so choose so that would be a state local elected official issue not a congressional question but it's a good question um and it has been debated by the way in the general assembly um there's just not been enough support for it there's not even enough support in the general assembly right now for constitutional carry so um i don't know if they would go so far as to do the gun-free zones All right, uh, wrapping up here in the uh, uh, first hour. Coming up next, we're going to talk with uh, North Carolina Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, about his uh, announcement today on the uh, Standing with Texas and the border uh, fight going on down there. Stick around. 